Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how you doing? I am doing pretty good. Feeling a little sore for whatever reason after going and having fun over the weekend. Needed uh, another vacation, I think, of just staying at home and relaxing, but uh, doing pretty good. How about yourself? It's all that dodging fireworks and, and running, sprinting away from the war zone, I think, that uh, that left you so sore. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Oh, yeah. You don't want to stand next to them. I mean, you could lose a hand. I think that's what my mom always told me. Oh, oh, I thought that was only if you just clinch it really tight. You know, I always resist the urge. Yeah, I think it depends on the firework. But uh, happy late 4th, man. Yeah, yeah. A week late? No, it was just a couple days ago. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Right? Yeah. No, what are what? we at? Uh, I-Day plus 4? Something like that? Sounds good. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was a good 4th of July. Not a lot of, no fireworks shows, but we were on the coast. Lots of people setting off some illegal ones for Oregon, and which is always fun to watch and not have to pay anything for. And got to spend a lot of time on the beach with a three-year-old who just did not want to leave. It was too much fun being in the sand and in the water and it was pretty decent weather. So we were pretty thankful for that. That's nice. Yeah. Did, what'd you guys end up doing for the 4th? Fourth lie, we just sat uh, sat at home. We didn't do much. We uh, did got some work done around the house. Got uh, got some vehicles prepped and and work done on on the bike hauler. That's uh, about road ready again. And then uh, yeah, just sat out and did a few fireworks in the front driveway. But uh, watched all the neighbors do the good ones. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's not motorcycle related, but ended up having to had to diagnose a problem on the Xterra. So it wasn't broke down, but it all of a sudden had a weird vibration going on. And I had jacked it up and checked everything out and everything seemed fine. No, no issues, nothing that needed to be replaced. Saw a couple like boots on my lower ball joints are starting to crack. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll need to do those right. But nothing, nothing major there and no movement when it was in the air. Ended up being uh, my drive line and touch grabbing it and trying to do the shake test didn't result in anything. But man, it, within a few days, it got horrible. So had to replace some drive line U joints before I could go on my vacation. So that was fun. Definitely solved the problem. So I was thankful for that. There you go. That's not too bad. Those it's uh, not too much work either. That's not too bad. I've, I've done that a handful of times on the Jeep back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Just when you're ready, wanting to go on a trip and you're having to worry about that right before you go, that was uh, not so much horrible, but not exactly what I wanted to be doing. Now this, uh, I realize you started non-motorcycle related, but this gets into a good topic. Prior to uh, to going on a trip, what, what should you check? And let's get into motorcycles. Ignore your Xterra for a minute. But uh, what do you think? What do you check? We just had the the big slacker moto ride. So we'll do a ride report here in a minute. But prior to that trip, what would you expect people to check? Oh. So so for me, I mean, uh, motor oil or engine oil, I think that's a really important one. So most people at this point have probably changed their oil. But uh, I would suggest that uh, making sure that you have a fresh oil change for the year, 
check your fluid levels for your for your brakes and for it, your tra transmission and your motor oil, depending on the setup that you have. Um, lubricate your chain, check that, see if you've got any slop going on there. Air pressure is super critical. Make sure you have good tires, no checks or no uh, cracks going on with the with those. And um, just make sure your riding position is good. You're not going to have to make any changes or be discomfortable. So being able to go on a, you know, a decently long day ride would be a good idea. I don't know. What else, what other things can you think of? You hit most of them there. Uh, you know, always the safety items, check your tires, check your brake wear, check, uh, you know, check your chain from there. It's a lot of, you know, your lights, you want to make sure your signals and brake lights, everything's working. So you're not getting hit. You want to do that anyway before any ride, but definitely before a trip, make sure everything's top shape. But uh, no, I appreciate that. I think that's uh, that was an interesting point as we get into talking about the ride this year. There's a few things that uh, that came up, and, and I'm not exempt from this conversation, and we'll get into it. But uh, yeah, a couple of things that, that really you got to keep an eye on and, and even sometimes repair or work on or fix while uh, while you're out. So. Okay, I heard a little bit about this, but I'm looking forward to hearing your account of some of the events that took place. So, uh -oh. so why don't we start with where, where was your trip to, and uh, and how did it go? So we've already talked about it a little bit, but obviously we can get into a lot more detail here on on the plans for the trip because now it's happened. But uh, basically, went out to Baker City the long way. Uh, day one was Portland to Baker City. And we kind of went south through uh, through a number of good towns, Shanico, and dropping John Day area, and, and down through all of that. That was pretty uh, pretty awesome. And then uh, day two from there, we went up north through Rattlesnake Grade, running over Hell's Canyon on the way up, and then through Lewiston and Clarkston, and over to Orofino, Idaho. Ooh, okay. From there, uh, we took or from Orofino, we basically took Highway 12 down across into Lolo, Montana, and that whole day was just basically the Lolo Pass, and then another few miles north up to Plains, Montana, for the night. And then from Plains, we went across northern Washington, crossing at the uh, the Gifford uh, Ferry. We crossed there, went up over some of the the. Uh, kind of uh, lesser roads up over the mountains as we crossed through uh, through northern or northern Washington, ended up stopping at the end of the day there in Kashmir, Washington, just outside of Leavenworth. And then the final day, we cut south through some back roads and then across over 12 through Rainier and down I-5 home. Oh, that sounds like a good trip. So what were some of the highlights for you? Oh, a couple of good highlights. I'd say definitely the the reason for the trip, or I think the the destination we planned around was Highway 12, uh, also known as Lolo Pass, from basically Orofino over to Lolo, Montana. Um, you know, you get a few miles down to basically the last civilization prior to going up over the pass. Uh, it's kind of your last gas stop for 140 miles. So you stop, fill up, and then you get less than a mile out of town. And there's a big sign right there uh, just just outside of that town as you just start getting into the hills or getting into the – really, you're just following that uh, that creek the whole way up and, and back down. 
um, but a big winding roads, 99, next 99 miles sitting right there. So that, uh, that kind of gets you ready for the rest of the day. You've got a hundred miles of just, you don't even use the center strip of your tires. So awesome. that was a, that was a pretty epic road. I mean, awesome. It's not like it's tight corners. You're not hitting a lot of 25 mile per hour or 10 or 15. It's a lot of like 45, 55 mile per hour corners. So you're just moving and cooking on a bike and, and just, sweeping through all of them pretty consistently and and uh almost never using that center strip and i mean even a couple of them you know it's a blind corner so you're just sweeping around you know around this corner you can't see the end of it and some of those just felt like they went you know 270 degrees it felt like you were just looping up a spiral you just you're leaned over for 30 seconds at you know 70 miles an hour yeah, and you just you can't, it's an amazing feeling when you just you don't know where it's going to end, you don't know when it's going to end, and you just keep sitting on the edge of your tire until you're like, I, "Am I going to run out of tread? What are we doing here?" Just That's keeps awesome. turning. So it it was pretty epic. That was a really good ride, really good road. Uh, highly recommend anyone on a motorcycle. I mean, even if you're in a sports car or something that that likes corners in general, that is a a very awesome road. Um, there was some traffic with regards to trucks or trailers or RVs, but really not too much given, uh, given the fact that it was about 130 miles from entrance to exit. And, you know, I, I expected we'd have a lot more spots where we got stuck behind people and really didn't get that until coming down the other side, which was kind of the less windy part anyway, there's a little bit of construction we got stuck, uh, waiting on, but uh-huh. other than that, a pretty, uh, pretty consistently moving fun ride so that was that was a, a big highlight i thoroughly enjoyed that well going into baker city that could be a pretty awesome ride as well what'd you think of that so we had a yeah we went we came from the south side and there's a pretty fun ride that runs up over the hills there that was i mean that that was kind of the opposite that was a good you know 15 miles of 15 10 and 15 mile per hour corners i mean just tight hairpin corners up over the hill and back down. And that was a, a pretty epic ride. I mean, all of those roads going up over, over the Cascade, or I guess not the Cascades, but over Mount Hood and, and the Pacific Rim area here and, and running over the mountains and, and coming back down and through all those areas are just pretty windy, twisty roads if you're not on 26. And if you take any of the, the secondary roads, they're very good roads. So that whole ride is, is nice. Um, I mean, really, there wasn't a day other than, you know, maybe the last hour, hour and a half coming south from uh, from Highway 12 on I-5 that wasn't just winding and twisty motorcycle roads the whole way. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, we're pretty spoiled in this area. We've got a lot of good roads. I mean, obviously, you travel a little ways, but there's a lot that are really uh, local to uh, the area around Portland within a day's ride, uh, you can have a blast. So that sounds like a good time. So, so what, uh, what was the, what were what happened? What were some of the, the surprises that came up along the ride? Yes. We had a handful of things, uh, you know, happening throughout. Uh, obviously there's the usual road trip things you got to keep an eye out for animals and, and wildlife and all of that had a, had somebody hit a bird, had somebody hit a deer, not a deer, uh, a squirrel, had a couple of close calls with deer. I mean, close calls enough that it wasn't, no one was in any real danger, but if we didn't hit the brakes, could have been problematic. Um, so you got to keep an eye out for wildlife. Those are always uh, 
always a little bit exciting. And then from there, uh, you know, there's also the, the preparedness. So we ended up having, you know, couple, there's always some, somebody has an issue of some sort. Usually it's pretty minor. Fortunately on this trip, even some of the, the items that could have been major were minor. We actually had somebody, um, low side on a, on a slow corner and they ended up putting the bike down. They were luckily moving very slow and it wasn't, uh, wasn't too bad. Bike came up, really didn't even look like it went down. So we got lucky there. Dang. Um, that no injuries, no damage to the bike, really no issues at all. Um, other than a little slowdown of the trip, uh, we had a front tire go basically bald um wear out completely through the ride some of that probably has something to do with all the twisties we're going on that you know that bike was uh, was more of a cruiser based bike so i think the the tread pattern was set up for highway cruising and, and hitting all these corners are starting to wear out the, the edges of the front tire um what else had a tight chain someone that had uh, adjusted their chain a little tight after some uh I guess some experimentation after returning home confirmed it was uh, the chain that was making a bit of noise by the end of the trip. They were concerned with noises that were coming from the, between the transmission and tire, which pretty much points to a chain. Yeah. Um, so we, we adjusted the chain with them and, and got everything set up kind of on day four so that it was where it should be, but uh, was still getting some noise. Yeah. Now confirmed that replacing chain and sprockets that that noise went away. So. No, you know, no real issue there. Just a little adjustment along the way, but it caused, you know, long term that would cause issues. But he uh, went ahead and did the maintenance on it, getting home. Sure. Uh, what else? Had uh, <laughs> I had a vibrate vibration prone mirror uh, that was driving me crazy it would, at certain RPMs would buzz. I know everybody else thought I was crazy because I kept pointing out that my bike was making weird sounds at higher RPMs. Finally got uh, revved it out in neutral and had someone just start grabbing around at the bike and found when he grabbed the mirror, the buzz went away. So that gave me a little peace of mind that it's just, you know, something internal to that mirror. I think it was the coming home and playing with it. It's the, the outer case of the mirror is vibrating a little bit with the glass inside. So yeah. I don't know if there's much you can do other than buy a more expensive mirror <laughs> on that one. I can imagine. But, I, I probably will. That you know me. Any sound, noise, or vibration that uh, that's not constant or normal or factory, I, I get real weird about. So yeah, no, I thought be, I was not complaining a, about that. A non-issue the next trip. Yep. Yeah. Well, and even even if I keep it on, I now know where it's coming from, so it's a non-issue. I was worried it was something mechanical. It's it's not. No, nothing engine related. I'm good. Okay. Um, what else? I will say also on my bike with, I mean, we did about 1,700 miles um, over the course of those five days, basically on the edge of the tire the whole time for uh, for a number of us. And uh, I've got pretty good cupping and, and low tread on the edges of my front tires. First time I've ever had a bike wear a front tire quicker than a rear. Wow. Um, but, you know, pushing it, I had some weight on the back. And so pushing it downhills probably is more so where that's coming from slowing into a corner and carving through it's wearing out that tire quick. So I got to start, start looking at tires, but uh, a couple of little things like that, really nothing, nothing catastrophic, nothing huge. Um, but you know, the usual wear and tear on a long trip. 
Yeah, so that's it. So you're going to have new tires soon, or at least a new front tire. That'll be cool. You're going to stick do with both. the same ones? No, I think I'll go with more of a, a highway tire. These are pretty aggressive um, performance sport tires. I'll go with uh, the, the sport side of the uh, of the highway, the road attack. They're road, basically cruising tires with the sport dual grips, dual compounds to keep the rears less flat and the fronts from uh, wearing so differently. So it should, uh, should have a better result, a few more miles. I hear guys get a lot more miles out of these. I only ended up with about 5,000 miles out of these tires, so I should at least double that with a better, a more distance-based tire. Well, there's been times of your life where that would be three sets a year. That's true. Yeah, you don't want to be paying that. No, and that's the that's the difference is they're only about ten dollars cheaper than these ones that should go at least twice as long. So, okay, okay. So, so moving on to comfort, how was it on the bike? I know you put you're a little sheepish. You bought that sheepskin, cut it out, put it on there. Did you ride with it? I did. Had that the whole time. It definitely made a, a significant difference, and I would even wager that without it, it would have been a terrible time by the end of the trip. Um. It definitely wasn't. Uh, I'll, I'll also say that bike has a more aggressive stance. I think anybody that's been on a a street triple knows that. But uh, you're you're on your wrists a little bit, so especially at lower speeds, it, it gets pretty old pretty quick. Um, but you know, at higher speeds, it's really not a big deal. The wind kind of compensates for that that pressure. Right. So it wasn't. Well, I wouldn't say it's the most comfortable bike ever. Uh, it definitely wasn't as comfortable as the Scrambler or the GL. But uh, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I, I could have rode, you know, if it was a longer trip, I wasn't I wasn't down for the count at the end of day five. So, you know, it's not, not the end of the world. Although we were doing three, 400-mile days, if we were pushing 600 miles a day or more, it probably might have been, a, you know, it would have been a different story. Yeah, yeah, definitely a more aggressive riding position. I've been in a situation where it was even more uh, aggressive than that, and it, it you wear out very quickly so that's good to hear that you were able to make it through the trip that it worked out good for you how'd the rack hold up rack was great uh you know the bag i kind of knew this going into it the bag sags and and droops over the sides of of the seat that's sitting on i knew that from the scrambler where it would kind of hang just over the exhaust uh, on that bike so that's kind of why i built it was to protect the the plastics of the bike and the exhaust running on both sides really and uh yeah basically after you know strapping it down and riding for less than a mile the bag sagged and, and rested on that rack uh it was in use the entire time gave me a good strap point gave me uh, a pretty sturdy position for the bag i didn't have any shaking vibration it was great yeah that thing worked great I'm happy with it. A uh, couple of tweaks just on a uh, simplicity for production uh, kind of level. Not necessarily anything that needs to be changed with regards to its uh, its form or function. Just a couple of, of adjustments so it's simpler to cut and, and consistently manufacture. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so do you using rock straps, or what do you use to yep. the strap? Down? I go with the rock straps. I'm I'm a fan of them. I think they work pretty well. Uh, one of the guys. So we had a number of bikes with us. Ended up having uh, kind of we always do uh, a bit of a a potpourri of bikes. You know, we we so we had a couple of uh, 
BMW 1200s. We had the uh, the GS, but we also had the GT. Is that right? RT. Anyway, the Sport Touring version. Now I'm drawing a blank on the the insignia on the side, but the same 1200 transverse twin BMW. This one just is fully fared with bags attached. The Sport Touring model of that. Uh, then of course we had the Street Triple. We had uh, uh, CB500X, which is kind of a, a makeshift adventure bike out of a CB500. And then the other three bikes we had go along were cruiser-based. We had a Victory Octane, which is a big uh, a big American twin. We had a Harley Street Bob, which is the base model Dyna for Harley. Oh. And then we had the Honda Fury that we've had on a couple of trips before. Right. So, and, and it was able to make it the 140 miles without fuel? It was. there. It turns out there was a, a little summit camping spot, really, that they had uh, high-cost fuel. So he topped off there just to just to be safe. Um, as we got to the summit, he pulled over and oh, what fun is topped that? off. So, I, you know, I think he would have made it. We were all – I will say this. I – after day one, I got concerned. I don't know that I've had that bike at consistent speeds. Um, you know, I've used it as a commuter since I got it, the the street triple. So I've been averaging 35 to 38 MPGs. Uh, but apparently if you just hold it in the higher RPMs and sixth gear, uh, it's quite happy. I ended up in high 40s throughout the entire trip. So kind of nice. I, I was worried about, you know, pushing 150 miles. That's kind of when the light's been on for a little bit. I broke 150 multiple times on this trip without my light ever coming on. I was getting significantly better mileage, 10 extra miles per gallon. So it's pushing another 40 miles on what it could do. Yeah. So what do you think? Uh, what are you going to do for the next trip? Next trip, there's a lot of talk of going south. We've gone, uh, we've gone east a number of times. We'll probably bring it back to Memorial Day as long as we're not uh, locked out of Memorial Day from COVID again next year. But, uh, you know, this one was was a hot enough, you know, end of June trip, early July that we wanted to kind of stay up in the hills and in the mountains where it really sat about 75. We hit a couple of 80s in the cities when we hit Lewiston and a couple of places down in valleys where it got 80s, 90s and got pretty friggin' hot. But otherwise, the rest of the trip was very nice temperature wise. Um, so yeah, if we go a little earlier in the year, I think uh, heading south is the idea. We're going to see what we can do up uh, in the Sierras and, and see some of those areas. I've never been out there uh, by car or by bike. So I think that's uh, that's the plan thus far. We'll see what happens as the year goes on and, and some ideas start rolling. There'll be obviously next year a lot more coming uh, with regard to information and uh, hopefully some meetup spots for, for slackers to join us and ride a day with us or join for the whole trip. Yeah, I think that that'd be a lot of fun. I like the date change. Uh, it just so happened that that uh, weekend what fell on uh, my wife and I's ten year anniversary. So even if uh, I had a bike, I would not have been going with you guys. But I'm glad you guys had a great trip. Sounds like a good time. I know you stayed at a few different locations. Do you mind uh, sharing uh, maybe the the best uh, place that you guys ended up staying or Airbnb in? Had a, a number of spots, ended up in uh, in kind of a, a simple Oregon Trail Hotel in Baker. They treated us well, took care of kind of some last-minute changes. We had a guy drop off the day before we left, so uh, 
kind of couldn't couldn't adjust that reservation, but we got there and they had no problem doing it. So they were good. Came with a free breakfast across the street in an actual restaurant, not like a continental in your in your uh, main room there, but but a little ticket to go to the restaurant next door. That was nice. Um, and then night two was at the Conkleville, just outside of Orofino, Idaho, and that place is just always a, always a destination place to stay. If you're riding Highway 12, if you're out in that area in kind of central northern Idaho, I guess you're kind of getting into the, the panhandle at that point. But if you're over there, the Conkleville is a great place. Look it up. Very motorcycle friendly, um, you know, pool. And then they have the grill your own steak out uh, for that for that evening you're there. So you just pay a few extra bucks. He brings out a raw steak. You cook it. And about the time that that's cooked, he comes out with a baked potato and salad. So, uh that's an awesome stop. We've, we've stayed there before in years past. Um, but that was a definite, you know, had to stop at that point. If we were going to doing 12, that's the place to stage for the night before. So did that in planes. We just stayed at one of the two motels. One of them was a little more bike friendly than the other. That being said, they were both basically roadside motels. So nothing too special, nice, good places to stay. Uh, nothing bad to say, but nothing amazing to say either. Um, and then Cashmere, we stayed at a little roadside motel as well, and it was similar. I think they're much better web design than actual motel maintenance. Um, <laughs> it looked like a much nicer place online, and even upon you know calling their customer service was excellent. I'll give them that. Um, but when we got there, it was definitely not as uh, not as fancy as they made it seem. But it was fine, nonetheless. I mean, you get what you pay for. We weren't paying you know, a couple hundred a night or anything like that. So it was relatively affordable in each spot, 60, 70 bucks a night kind of a thing. So not too bad, but uh, yeah, the Conquerville is always the highlight. Uh, if we go there, that that's, that's the winner. I've yet to find a better moto friendly hotel than the Conquerville out in Orofino, Idaho. Sweet. So what do you think? I saw an ad uh, earlier. Just a headline, haven't read into it too much. Looks like uh, we're starting to see an uptick in motorcycle sales. I mean, how many motorcycles do you guys see on the road? So quite a few. I think, uh, you know, really since COVID started, I've seen a lot of motorcycles. Seems like at least in our area in the Northwest, that's about the time, you know, March is about the time it started getting nicer. And since there's less cars on the road, it seems like, you know, people that drive to commute, people that just drive to survive um aren't driving as much they're all staying home uh whereas the the pleasure cruisers you know i see a lot of nicer cars on the road and a lot of motorcycles now so you know i think there's something to be said that uh that i see a lot more out there i think there's some excitement for it um you know europe obviously is picking it up as just the economic solution to owning a car if you're going to be riding less hours and not commuting to work then a motorcycle is an awesome choice because then your maintenance is only, you know, you're maintaining to have fun. You're not maintaining to survive, which is an easy and very relaxed way to do uh, upkeep on anything, really. If you don't have to do it, then you're just doing it so that you can go on your next fun trip. It's very hard to complain about that upkeep. I see a, a benefit there in, in, in them, you know, in the motorcycle community growing a little bit. And I, I see it happening. I know, uh, you know, a lot of people, I've kind of mentioned this in the last number of episodes, but I know a lot of people that are getting their endorsement and are getting more people to ride. And, and I see that growth occurring. I think there's a, 
we've talked about it before. There's a sense of freedom on a motorcycle that kind of maybe offsets a little bit of the lack of freedom some of us are feeling in this, uh, in the different state mandate situations that we're in. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad to see people are getting out and, and trying to ride. I just was, I was thought it was good to hear that, you know, motorcycle sales have come up. I know that they plummeted quite a bit when, the uh, COVID started first kind of emerging and everybody was staying home, um, which is understandable. But uh, just seeing that people are getting out as things are opening up a little bit more and uh, spending some time on the road is, is good to see and good to hear and good for people's mental health as well. So good to you if you're out there riding. If not, uh, get out there. Well, I'll tell you this. I had the opportunity, uh, speaking of motorcycle sales, to jump on uh, the street bob, we had uh, Harley Mike on our trip, and he had his his street bob, which is the base model Dyna. I already mentioned that, but he let me uh, take that thing for a quick spin around around Plains, Montana, uh, while we were there. They everybody was kind of chilling. He, I, I quite frankly have never ridden a large Harley. I gotta say, there's something something really cool about it. It is very fun. Uh, I'm pretty much sold that at some point I got to have one. Got to have a Harley. Uh, there is just a certain feel and, and enjoyment to riding a, a high torque, loud American machine. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just fun. I didn't go very far. I was not it very long, but it put a friggin' smile on my face. I'll tell you what. You know, it goes back to that five bike rule, right? You, you like multiple different things on bikes and you can't can't have them all on one you got to have the five bikes to check yeah, off all those boxes yeah. no and i get that but you can make modifications uh, like uh, the exhaust on your stripple i mean you could make it louder uh, is that something that has crossed your mind after riding it for a while now uh, not necessarily i think uh i came to terms on this trip that it's it's quiet and it is what it is and and there's really no problem with that the the feel of the ride this is not to me, I, I've come to enjoy the way that bike looks a lot more than I did when I first grabbed it. But at the same point, uh, the, this bike is for the the ride itself, not to, to stare at or listen to. Mm. I don't have to pretend it, it moves quickly with a louder exhaust because it'll actually do it if I want it to. I don't know if that's the whole point in having a louder exhaust, but okay. Just nice. It's fun. I enjoy that. On a motorcycle, it seems more in place. Sometimes in a car, it's nice to be quiet. And the same could be said about a motorcycle as well. But your bike really isn't quiet either. So That's fair. I just know that the longer you have this bike, the more of a slacker moto touch it's going to have on it. Um, you've already started the transformation. And I know it's not done by any means. No, there'll be a little bit more to add. But uh, most of that's aesthetics. There doesn't need to be much done. The more you look at these street triples and the numbers they output, everything they're doing, there's not a lot of benefit to making those changes. I will say Triumph, Triumph did a really good job of, uh, you know, of tuning that thing and getting it set up for, uh, for what it is. Mm. Nonetheless, we will have more next week on the joys of riding these bikes. And, uh, and I think we should get into the growing of the market again. I think that there's something to be said as I'm seeing a lot more things come out on TV 
uh, with regards to motorcycle racing. And I think that the motorcycle industry is really taking advantage of this downtime people have and creating a new sense of excitement. So I think next week, let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into that. And we can, uh, you know, we can have a, a more fact-based discussion on what's happening and, and what that might mean for the, the future of motorcycles, how we're going to come out of this as we kind of see the, the corner being turned. What's that, what is that, what could that look like uh, as we look at it? But uh, for the time being, we appreciate everybody listening along. Thankful uh, for all the slackers that are sticking with us. Uh, share this out. Don't forget to, uh, to rate and review us. And uh, of course, check out, Check out our notes on uh, on Facebook, on our Patreon page. We always add a few things here and there. And I uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Until next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.